we're going to be reading first from Colossians chapter 3. For those of you who might not have been here uh, or with us the last couple of weeks, beginning at the beginning of January, we've been looking at the ways in which we are united with Christ and the major or the key uh, parts or the key activities of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, his ascension when he went from earth to heaven. And today we're going to be looking at how we are united with Christ and his promised return to earth. So this is the one event that's still in the future to come, the one event that we haven't had experience, but we get to be a part of because we are united with Christ. And all of these are things that are talked about in Colossians 3, which describe what this new life in Christ is supposed to be about. So uh, will you join me in offering a quick prayer to God, asking him to bless the reading of his word? God, our Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, we pray for your presence now to be upon us as we open your word. May we hear the one thing that you are trying to communicate to us today. May we open our hearts to receive it, our ears to hear it, and our minds to understand it. May we be willing partners in this covenant that you have made with us, Lord Jesus, by the shedding of your blood. In your name we pray. Amen. So, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self and its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free. But Christ is all and in all. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is the word of the Lord. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. I think that that talks about a lot of things. There's a lot of instances in which we are revealed in glory with Jesus. One of which being last week when we talked about how our lives here on earth are a thin place for God's, for Jesus' glory from heaven to shine through and around us. But I also think that this is talking about when Jesus returns and when there will be no more ability to deny his rule and his reign. And he is revealed in glory to the whole world. So that's where we're going to camp today. And there's a couple of things I want to start off by saying. And this is something that I could say every week, but I'm choosing to say it this week in particular. I do not ever say all there is to say about any text that we study together. I say some things that are very pointed on a particular topic or theme uh, for particular reasons. And so today when we talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ, we are not going to talk about all there is to talk about. We aren't going to be able to answer all of the questions that we have about that. But we're going to talk specifically about how being united with Jesus matters and what that shapes for our future involvement in the return of our Prince of Peace. Okay? So there's lots of different scripture passages that talk about the second coming of Jesus. And one of them in particular we're going to look at from 1 Thessalonians. And so this is when you just turn the page over in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now the church in Thessalonica was mostly, if not completely, made up of people who were not Jewish, but who became Christians. And in their old religion, the one they converted from, they had no view of the afterlife. So to them, when they died, they died. And that was it. And so this church in Thessalonica, who has come to believe in Jesus, is also dealing with this, well, so first of all, they're dealing with this worry of this change in worldview. Like now, now they believe that there's something, but there's still this whole, we don't really understand what this thing is, and doctrine is still developing. And so they write to Paul for advice because Paul is their teacher about Christianity and what to believe and what Jesus taught. So the church in Thessalonica is dealing with this question of what happens after you die. And they're also dealing with the fact that they're in a pretty hostile environment. The city of Thessalonica was worried about this growing Christian community because they had stopped uh, making sacrifices to the Roman gods. And the city itself was worried that Rome was going to catch on to this bit of disobedience. So I find it fascinating that the church in Thessalonica is worried less about their own situation and more about what happened to their brothers and sisters who have died. Their concern is not for themselves, but for those that they hold dear who have passed on. Because they have, they have this worry that because they're still alive and they're waiting for Jesus, that they're at some sort of advantage to their brothers and sisters who have died. And so Paul writes back to them, and he doesn't tell them 
as we'll see, what happens after death. That's a very mysterious thing. We know that we're welcome in heaven, but we know our bodies aren't in heaven until the new heaven and new earth. And that's about all we know. But we're welcome in heaven because we're united with Jesus, right? Who's welcome in the throne room of heaven. That's what we talked about the last two weeks. But what Paul does tell them as a way of comforting them is what happens when Jesus returns. So if you read with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're just going to read a few verses beginning at verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, so that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will, be, will, be, will by no means precede those who have died. You following that so far? For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So the resurrection of the dead will happen. Then we, who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds. The NIV translates that as, will meet up in the clouds, together with them. Oh, here it is. I'll start that sentence over. Then we, who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them, so with, the, with those who have risen from the dead, to meet the Lord in the air, so that we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So now the word meet that's used in this translation is a very specific word in the Greek. It means a very specific kind of meeting. And it's a word that's used when a dignitary or a government official is coming to a town. And so the town readies to receive that official. And then instead of waiting for the knock at the gate, so to speak, they go out on the road, meet with the official, and return to the town with them. And are therefore revealed with that official in his glory upon his return. And so when we think about the return of Jesus to earth and the fact that this particular verb is used to describe our meeting up with with Jesus, the resurrection of the dead and those who are alive go up to meet Jesus in the clouds in order to welcome him back to his kingdom, his new heaven and his new earth. And it's as though by proximity we are revealed with Him in glory. And we are united with His return to earth. To His earth. To, to the earth where He walked and lived and breathed. And we do that in our physical bodies where we are recreated if we've become dust. As we have risen from the dead. Or we come as people who have been transformed in that twinkling to be as the eternal form of ourselves, whatever that is. So we go up to meet Jesus, having done what we can with our lives to prepare this place for His return. But we know that there's nothing that we can do to totally make that happen, right? It's nothing that we do that controls it. Let's read together in our catechism. And we're actually going to read from Our World Belongs to God first. And Our World Belongs to God is a confession 
is not a confession. It's a contemporary testimony, but it covers a lot of the same themes of the confessions that we have in the Christian Reformed Church. And I've chosen it in particular because I love the the way it speaks of this particular section. So we're going to read stanzas 55 and 56 first. Our hope for a new creation is not tied to what humans can do. For we believe that one day every challenge to God's rule will be crushed. His kingdom will fully come and the Lord will rule. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We long for that day when our bodies are raised and the Lord wipes away our tears and we dwell forever in the presence of God. And we will take our place in the new creation and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. And the Lord will be our light. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And so because we know that we are united with Christ in his death, because we know that we are united with Christ in his rising, in his resurrection, because we know that we are united with Christ in his ascension and his rule in heaven already now, we are united with Christ in his return when he ushers and brings in the final, permanent new heaven and new earth. And because we are excited to welcome him, we meet him and are revealed with him on his return in glory. Now, there's one more piece that I want to talk about this morning about being revealed with him in glory. And uh, let's read the catechism question number 52. Because it's concerning this final judgment we know comes when Jesus returns. How does Christ return to judge the living and the dead comfort you? And the catechism helps us by answering, In all my distress and persecution... I turn my eyes to the heavens and confidently await as judge the very one who has already stood trial in my place before God and so has removed the whole curse from me. All of his enemies and mine he will condemn to everlasting punishment. But me and all his chosen ones he will take along with him into the joy and glory of heaven. And let's turn over and read stanza 57. Because sometimes it's good to repeat the same things. On that day, we will see our Savior face to face, sacrificed lamb and triumphant king, just and gracious. He will set all things right, judge evil and condemn the wicked. We face that day without fear. For the judge is our Savior, whose shed blood declares us righteous. We live confidently Anticipating his coming, offering him our daily lives, our acts of kindness, our loyalty, and our love. Knowing that he will weave even our sins, sorry for that typo, and sorrows into his sovereign purpose. Come, Lord Jesus, come. So I've always been taught that you whisper what the Bible whispers about, and you shout what the Bible shouts about. That you speak with boldness about the things that are very clear, and you speak with a little bit of wonder about the things that are less clear. And so the thing that is very clear to us is that there is a final judgment, and that all of us stand 
and go through that. But that those who are united with Christ already know that we've been pardoned. Already know that Jesus has given us that gift of His righteousness. And it's not as though the verdict and the judgment has been dismissed, but that Jesus has taken it upon Himself. This is the thing that Scripture screams about. And yet we know that we still stand in judgment. We still have a conversation with God about how we lived our lives. We have a conversation with God about the fruit of our faith and its everyday expression. What Scripture whispers about is what God does with that information. I have no idea the why or the what or the how. Maybe God knows that we're a people who kind of need something hanging over our head when we aren't listening and letting the Spirit actually be the one that transforms us, right? But if we are truly letting God transform us, then these things become the natural outplaying of our lives. That's the very first message of the series we talked about. But we hear over and over and over again that the way we live our lives matters. And that even though there's nothing that we can do to take away the gift of God's salvation because Jesus is the one who is the author of salvation and because he is triple guaranteed through his dying, his rising, and his ascension that this is his gift for us, the way we live matters. And we will have a conversation with our Maker about it. But we face it without fear. And we are revealed in the glory of Jesus when we receive our pardon. Because instead of being separated like the sheep and the, like the goats, we are welcomed like the sheep. We are welcomed because of Jesus, which to me is being revealed in his glory for our future and God's future for us. And we are confident that this is the plan that Jesus has as we are united with his return. And we look forward to welcoming him back. Not only welcoming him back into this world, but we, look, we are welcoming him now inside of us. So will you stand with me? And... And let's say together these words of celebration and praise to our God from the from stanza 58 of Our World Belongs to God. And then we'll continue to worship God in song. With the whole creation, we join the song. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. He has made us a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and we will reign on earth. God will be all in all. Righteousness and peace will flourish. Everything will be made new, and every eye will see at last that our world belongs to God. Hallelujah. Come, Lord Jesus.